Well, hey, friend, it's Thursday. Welcome to the Love Your Bible Podcast. Hey, I hope today's episode in some way helps you love your Bible more because, well, when you love your Bible, you will love God, serve people, and live a life that matters. Today we're going to talk about the sovereignty of God, and well, if God is sovereign, then why why should we worry about what we do, right? If if the promises of God are going to come true, then why should we strive and put out effort and try to make those promises come true? If God's already promised, if he already knows how it's going to end up, then why should we worry about doing anything? Why not just sit back, relax, and let the sovereignty of God play out? And what we're going to see is the sovereignty of God does not cancel out our responsibility, but instead the two go hand in hand. Yes, God is sovereign, and you are also responsible for doing Things. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 27. Now, if you go to Hardin Baptist Church, that's where I preached this Sunday. Uh, we talked about this in one of the sermon points. But in a sermon, a lot of times I'm trying to think about, okay, there is a main point that I'm wanting to get through in this sermon. And sometimes you can have sub points that you can't really tease out. You can't flesh out. And this was a sub point that I really wanted to tease out a little further. So that's what we're going to do in the podcast today. So if you weren't at my church on Sunday, that's perfectly fine. I'll cap I'll catch you up on Acts 27. Paul, he's in Jerusalem. He's got to get to Rome because, well, he's a prisoner and he's got to stand trial before Caesar. So through a lot of crazy um, ship endeavors, he ends up getting shipwrecked on an island. But because Paul is in the boat, 276 people live. Like because Paul is on this boat, it's kind of the reverse of Jonah. Jonah was on a boat and it caused a storm to come and he endangered everyone on the ship. Because Paul is on the boat, actively pursuing God's presence, when the storm comes, everyone is better off because Paul is there. So we asked the question, um, in the boat you're going to be in this week, when you're around people, are you making their lives better or worse? And so we saw in that sermon, um, there's this reference to the third day in their hopelessness. It's the third day. And we saw how really um, Luke is hinting at there's a bigger story over Paul's story, and that is the story of the cross and the empty tomb. And no matter what storms we find ourselves in, there is a a cross and an empty tomb that points to hope, not only in our lives, but also in the lives of those around us. So um, we saw that on Sunday. If you want to listen to that sermon, you can go to hardenbattles.org, and you can find it there, Acts 27. But there is one verse that I want to key on during our time this morning, because right in the middle of this storm, an angel visits Paul and basically tells him, hey, you're going to make it because it's God's will. God's will is for you to stand before Caesar. So it's going to happen. You're going to make it 
uh, to Rome. So in the midst of a storm, when everybody thinks they're going to die, the angel says, no, you're going to make it. God has willed that you will make it. So I'm going to read um, verse 25 that puts us right in the middle of that story. Here's what Paul says to these sailors. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. But we must run aground on some island. Now, I love those two sentences put together because notice what Paul says. He says, hey, guys, take heart. In other words, they all think they're going to die. They think all hope is gone. And he says, take heart because all hope is not gone and there's going to be a rescue. God has informed me that we are going to make it. So he says, take heart. For I have faith in God. What does he have faith in God about? Well, he says that it will be exactly as I have been told. So it's going to be like I've been told. We're we're going to make it. God has promised me. So he says it will be God's sovereign plan will come to pass. There is certainty. It is a promise. God has spoken. He's banking on that. So the question is, well, if, if there's a promise, if God says this is going to happen and Paul is believing, hey, it will be because God said, like when God says something, it's going to come to pass. That's called the sovereignty of God. When God decrees, when God says this will happen, well, you better get ready because it's going to happen because God is the sovereign Lord of the universe. So you can always bank on the promises of God. They're always going to come true. So that's Paul. I have faith in God that it will be, that the promise of God will come true. Okay. So he's believing in the sovereignty of God. He is banking on the sovereignty of God. But notice the next sentence. I love this. Verse 26. But we must run aground on some island. So notice putting those two together. Okay, so first Paul says, I have faith in God because it will be. It will be. We will make it. We will get to land. It will be. I will make it to Rome. God has promised that. But under that, it will be, Paul says, but we must. But we must run aground on some island. In other words, there is a promise of God that we're going to make it, that we're not going to die in the sea, we're not going to be lost in the storm. There is a promise from God. He is sovereignly going to work out our salvation, but under that, we have a task. We have work. We have responsibility, but we must. So yes, God is sovereign, but Paul and the people on the boat are also responsible for doing things under the promises of God. See, often we think, well, if God's sovereign, then we just don't have to do anything. If the promises of God are going to work out, then we as humans, we don't have to do anything to make those promises work out because God's sovereign. And that's just not true. Yes, the promises of God are going to work out, but God works his promises out through his people through his people moving and doing. Think about the Great Commission. God has promised. We see in Revelation that around the throne, there's going to be people from every tribe, tongue, and nation worshiping the Lamb. It's going to happen. God is going to get the gospel to all people. That is a promise. You can bank on it. So it will be 
but we must. We must what? We must go. We must tell. We must share. We must evangelize the world so that the promise of God comes true. So yes, the promise is going to happen, but it doesn't happen around us. It happens through us. It happens through our efforts. It will be, but we must. I'll give you another example from the Old Testament in Nehemiah chapter 4. So Nehemiah, they're trying to build this wall. They're trying to um, um, rebuild uh, Jerusalem. There's a lot of resistance against them. The enemy is coming. So so here they are. That They're building this wall. The enemy is against them. Warriors are coming after them. And in verse 9 of chapter 4, um, Nehemiah says this, And we prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. Notice that. I, I, I love the balance here. Nehemiah says, hey, we're trying to build this wall. There's an enemy that's trying to kill us. So what do we do? We pray. We pray to our God for what? For protection. We're praying for God to protect us. But what else? And we set up guards as protection against them day and night. So notice they do both of those things. They don't just pray and say, God, protect us. They pray and they set up guards at the wall. They set up people to guard under that great prayer, under the, under the safety of God. They're setting up people to keep them safe. So notice Nehemiah doesn't say, hey, we're in trouble. Let's set up guards. Let's just trust ourselves to protect ourselves. No, he says, hey, we're going to set up a guard to protect us, but the guard is going to be under the prayers that we're praying for God to protect us. So they're praying, God, protect us, and they're believing it will be so. God will protect us, but, but we must set up guards. We must take action to protect ourselves because we're believing in the promises of God. Therefore, we're leaning into our part of the promise of God. So we see in the Bible, both of these things happening, the the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of his people. We pray, we believe, and then we also do and we protect both of those things happening at the same time. So let's go back to that Acts verse. I love this. God will, but we must. Now, I want you to think about that line and just take it into a few areas of our life. God will but we must. Paul's saying God will save us, but we must wreck this ship on some island. So it's us working to fulfill the promises of God, but we're working under the promises of God. We're believing God, so we are doing. We're not believing God and just sitting in a boat. No, we're rowing, we're doing, we're moving because we do believe that God is going to redeem us. So think about your life. As you think about that little phrase, God will but we must. What what is a promise of God that you are banking on? What is a promise of God that you are believing, that you are trusting in? And as you think about that promise that you're living under, are you active under that promise or are you passive under that promise? Because the promise is not supposed to make you passive. The promise is supposed to make you active. So for instance, think about your own sanctification. Okay, so one one of the glorious goals in, in the life of every Christian is not just that we're forgiven of sin, 
but that we are free from sin. That we, in our daily life, we are living in such a way that God is making us more and more into the image of Christ. So God, in his sovereignty, he is promising his people that he is going to make us into the image of Christ. So that's a, you can bank on that. He has promised that he is fashioning you in the image of Christ. Think about Romans chapter eight, right? He's making us into the image of Christ. Well, that's a promise. We're going to be, we're going to become like Christ. We're going to be made in his image, but how do we get there? Well, you go to Romans chapter six, you put to death the sin that is in your body. You actively put to death those sinful tendencies in you because of the promise of God, because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, because God has promised to make you like Jesus. You don't just sit back. You don't just lay on the couch with the remote and say, hey, I guess God's working out sanctification in my life. No, what do you do? You actively pursue sanctification. You actively do what Romans 12 says, that you're not conforming to this world, but you're being transformed through the renewal of your mind. You're being transformed. What? That's what worship looks like. You're being transformed so that you can be, well, you can look more and more like Jesus. So God has promised that he is going to sanctify you. God has promised in the end, you're going to be glorified. You're going to be just like his son, Jesus. But in the meantime, what do you do? You don't just passively sit under that and say, well, I'm glad one day I'm going to look like Jesus. No, right now, you through sanctification, you work out your salvation. You work right now to attack those areas that don't look like Jesus because you have a promise that you're going to be like Jesus. See, the promise propels you, it doesn't leave you stuck. The promise doesn't make you passive, it should make you active. Because I have a promise, God will make me like his son Jesus, I must. I must pursue Jesus. I must put to death sin. I must live on mission. I must do this because God has promised that. Think about marriage. I mean, marriage is one of those beautiful gifts that God has given his creatures. And God's plan for your marriage is that it would be fruitful, that you would be um, in a relationship that is naked and unashamed, that it would be beautiful. It would be that Song of Solomon picture where you are, are lovers and friends and just enjoying one another. And it would be a picture of Christ and his church. There's all these, all these beautiful promises in marriage. So God, God will, God will bless your marriage. He will bless you and multiply you, but, but you must, you must what? Well, husband, you must love your wife like Christ loved the church. You must give your your life for her. Wife, you must respect your husband. There are there are imperatives there. There are things for you to do under the good promises that God has said. Hey, marriage is good. It is for my glory and your good. God will bless your marriage, but you must do those things that he's called you to do within marriage so that his promise is going to come true through you doing the things that he's told you to do to bring about those promises. See, the sovereignty of God and your responsibility, they work 
to gather. He's he's given you children. It, it, maybe you're married and you have kids. And there are all these promises when it comes to kids that they are also a blessing from the Lord, that they are like little arrows that you're going to shoot out and they're going to impact the world. And as we raise them in Proverbs so they won't depart from us, there's all these, there's these promises that, that as we as parents do our jobs, that our kids are going to then want to walk with the Lord. But man, God will, but we must. We must raise our kids to know the Lord. We must continually tell them the gospel. We must uh, continually make sure that we are teaching them the right things so they become the right people. Yes, we are trusting God with our kids. We are praying God's will for their lives, but we're not just then hands off. No, we are hands on. We are doing our part to bring about those prayers that we are praying. Think about your purpose. Um, maybe you're a person that you're still trying to figure out your purpose. You're still trying to figure out what God wants you to do with your life. Maybe you know it. Well, if you know your purpose, if you know why God has put you on this planet, then you don't just sit back and say, well, I'm, I know what I'm doing now. Um, God, God wants me to do this, so I'm just going to sort of wait for it to happen. Like, I know that God wants me to um, start a company. I know God wants me to go into nonprofit. I know God wants me to be a preacher. I know God wants me to be a missionary. I know God wants me to be a healthy local church member. I know God wants me to X, Y, or Z. So I'm just going to hang out and wait for God to move all the pieces. No, God is saying, yeah, God will, but we must. You must do the things that are going to put you in a position so that you can live out that purpose that you believe God has given you. It might require some education. It might require some experience. It might require some interns. It might require some things for you to do so that that purpose, that promise that God's given you will come true. Maybe you're in school right now. Well, you can't just say, man, I'm I'm glad God's sovereign. I guess he's going to give me a good grade. No, you have to go to class and study. (laughs) Like God will, but we will must. Here's what I want you to think about today as you go through your day. God's sovereignty does not negate our responsibility. Instead, believing in God's sovereignty, it causes us to want to get in the game and participate. See, prayer doesn't neglect. It doesn't negate effort, but instead prayer fuels our effort. If we're praying and trusting God, we don't then sit back and do nothing. No, if we're praying and trusting God, then we get to work. It's the fuel to our efforts because we're believing in what we're praying. We're believing that God's going to bring this to pass, and he's going to do so through my feet and through my hands. Paul is going to make it to Rome, but he's got to wreck the boat on land in order to get there. God will, but we must. So I just hope that little statement becomes sticky in your life. God will, but we must. What areas in your life are you believing God for, trusting God for, but then you're not doing anything to make sure it happens? Are you praying for your neighbor to know Christ, but then you're actually not sharing Christ with them? That would be a believing God will, but but I'm forgetting that I must. Are you praying for a better marriage, 
but you're not doing the things that are going to lead to a better marriage? Are you praying for your sanctification? Are you praying that God would take this sin from you, but you're not doing anything about it? You're not setting up parameters. You're, you're praying, but you're not putting guards up. That would be, I'm trusting God, but I'm not doing anything to bring about that promise. And what we see in Scripture is we trust God, we believe God, so we do. If you believe God will, then you also believe you must. So let's think about that little phrase. Let's take it into different parts of our life and just ask the question, if I believe God, then I'm going to do the things that I'm responsible for to bring about that promise because I do believe that promise. If you don't really believe the promise, you're not really going to put in the work because at the end of the day, you don't really want it to happen or you don't believe it's going to happen. See, Paul says, we're going to make it, but we got to wreck this ship. And we need to think about in our lives, what promises do we know are going to come true? What has God told us? And because of those promises, what do we need to do? Because here's the reality. God will, but we must. Well, hey, I hope you have a good Thursday and a good rest of the week. Sorry, it was a little bit late today. Usually I do these um, at the first of the week and then post them and they, I don't know, they go up at like 4.30 in the morning or something like that. I don't get up at 4.30 and do these. Um, But today, the week just got a little bit uh, crazy. had to travel some at the first of the week, so... Uh, it's like Thursday right now and I'm recording it on a Thursday. So, um, it might come to you a little bit later today. So I apologize for that, but Hey, it's Thursday and, uh, we still made it happen. So I hope this has encouraged you, uh, to love your Bible because, Hey, I really believe when you love your Bible, you will love God, serve people and live a life that matters. See you next Thursday. Thursday.